Welcome to Bowman's Friends, a podcast created to connect and inform UK students of issues, events, and cool stuff on campus in the Lexington area. Bowman's Friends is a podcast hosted by UK students for the UK community. Our goal is to amplify student voices through advocating for equity, inclusion, and representation of all. Educators play many roles in their students' lives. They act as teachers and mentors, even parental figures to some. They're encouraging, helpful, and act as a guide for students as we navigate the start of our lives and careers. Because educators are so special, Bowman's Friends is so excited to kick off our Faculty Spotlight series. Joining us in the studio today is journalism professor Kaki Urch. Kaki first came to UK as a student. She traveled and worked around the U.S. for a while and then made her way back to UK in 2008, and she now holds an associate professor position. Kaki is an educator that our journalism department adores, and she has taught a lot to many of us. We're so glad that you can join us. Kaki, welcome to Bowman's Friends. Well, Julia, I am so glad to be here on Bowman's Friends, and I am a huge fan of this podcast. Um, I listen to it whenever a new uh, episode comes out. I know a lot of the students who produce it. And I'm really excited by a lot of the topics you, you choose. I think probably the history-making one was when um, Samantha had uh, Will Levis on to yeah. eat a eat a completely unpeeled banana, both on on air. You gotta get that <laughs> potassium yeah, somehow. Right. So, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, well, Kaki, uh, you know, you talk about you know this you know being a fan of the student-run podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your time at UK as a student? Uh, what all you did? What years you attended? Uh, and uh, some of the clubs you were involved in? Sure. Okay, so I started at UK in the early 80s. Um, I'm a person who grew up in Connecticut but always had family in Kentucky, so spent those summers here in Kentucky. So I you know, had that, that kind of a connection to the state. Um, and I came in and I knew that I liked to write, but and I, I knew that I liked music, so I kind of wanted to be maybe in the music industry or a stockbroker or whatever. But I found my way to the Colonel. And that's, you know, that is a place where we have some fantastic student media here on the campus. And I worked at the Kentucky Colonel as a columnist and as a reporter, um, as a music reviewer, reviewed some classic both books and movies, like when Bobby Ann Mason, who's a famous Kentucky author from West Kentucky, uh, had her book called In Country come out. I reviewed that for the Colonel, right? And then, um, but then also at, at a particular time, I became the concert committee co-chair at the SAB, at the Student Activities Board. And in those days, um, if you were the concert committee, we had a whole committee of students who acted as stagehands. We were working with John Herbst, who was at the Student uh, Center. He was a director of the Student Center and the SAB advisor. And we could book we could book anything we wanted, uh, and if it made money, we could book another show. So it wasn't just like the spring show and the fall show. We could book different things. So um, we brought in, you know, um, bands like REM, The Pretenders, Ten Thousand Maniacs, X, all sorts of different bands um, to play in both the ballroom in the student center and in the Coliseum. Um, but then, for some reason we were interested in maybe getting some of this alternative at the time music on the radio and it wasn't heard on the commercial radio and it wasn't heard on W at that time was called WBKY, the um, now WUKY. And there was just no place for this, this music to, to be heard. Um, and so I had a column in the Kentucky Colonel that was um, listened, you know, read very significantly by a lot of people and I just proposed that we need another radio station for the students, right? Yeah. And I said in that that we were the only school in the SEC except for Ole Miss. No, not Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. The only school in the whole SEC except for Mississippi State that didn't have a student-run radio station. It's quite interesting to, you know, to realize that, you know, that station's still here today. Yeah. Right. And one of the founders is right in front of us. Right. Julia. So exactly. we started, yeah. So we so we we I wrote a column about it and hundreds of people replied and whatever and then you know, we started a student organization, we raised all this money and built this radio station. We got an FCC license. You, you have no idea what you cannot do when you're 20 years old. So we just went ahead and did it. WRFL is our radio station. It's 7,900 watts. It's that big red um, antenna on top of the Patterson office tower. 
And, you know, it's student-run, it's 24 hours, and uh, anybody, and it's uh, community-oriented as well. So, yeah, so that was one of my clubs. We started a club, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was, that, you founded that in uh, 1988. So, like, what's that been like to watch WRFL and, you know, you know how it started and then see where it is now? Well, it's, a, it's an absolute joy. I mean, it is just... It's the perfect thing of a grassroots idea that came from students, that students figured out. And, of course, when we're starting this radio station, there isn't really actually email, right? Like, yeah. like there's, no, there's no, like, internet. You're writing so letters be, at this point. We're writing yeah. letters, and we're making telephone calls, and we're going to visit people who have started other radio stations. We're communicating with the FCC through telephone calls and, you know, the very new company at the time, Federal Express. Mm-hmm. so um so yeah uh and it's just it's just wonderful to see how it's grown and how so many different uh types of students have come through the organization been a part of it learned their skills on running a nonprofit or running a company or being part of you know artist management and so forth and then gone on and been really successful at that. Do you re- do you remember some of the big programs uh, first starting out with WRFL? I know its main focus is kind of like um, you know kind of like the community music, you know, more of a focus on you know music coming in from Lexington, you know, stuff like that. What was some of the, what were some of the programs? Because now we have Campus Voices and all sorts of different radio shows. What were some of the programs that came out the, when you first started it? Right. So at the at the very beginning, here was Lexington, and really there were about eight radio stations, mm-hmm. maybe ten. And um, there was no one playing on the, on the free air radio, you know, with no Spotify around, with no internet around. CDs had not been invented yet. Yeah. There was no one really in our market playing bluegrass music. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. our state's indigenous music. Yep. We made yeah. that music here. You, you both are from Western Kentucky. You certainly know how important that music huge. is. Yep. Huge. You know, sex, drugs, and Bill Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's hilarious. But <laughs> um, so there was that. That was one of, our, one of our things. The other thing was we had, um, you know, we had a market where we didn't have any really significant urban or, or black programming, right? And we literally had a station that, that had a promo that said, all the hits and no rap. And so we were, we had a hip-hop show. Not only that, we blended all sorts of uh, rap musicians and, and black artists into our everyday. And we were the first radio station in this market to play Public Enemies, Fear of a Black Planet, <laughs> right out of the box. Now, Public Enemy is, you know, kind of tame these days, but... You know, it's Chuck D and all of those guys, yeah. but sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what, that's a big thing that plays on the radio nowadays. I mean, just I mean, that's just well, a big and we thing had too. We, so. yeah. we had a very, um, you know, we have an international community here at the University of Kentucky, and we were able to put on sort of an Indian music show, right, for for some of the folks who are coming from an Indian background. Let's see what else. Uh, we had live music, live local music, and w- they still have that on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights. They have that, I believe it's at nine o'clock. WRFL live. No local bands could ever get their music on the radio, yeah. right? So, um, so those were some of the the big programs that we that we had. Um, and it was, you know, when we built the radio station, there was a whole bunch of people who collaborated together, and ninety to a hundred people. Um, uh, Mick Jeffries, who still does the morning Trivial Thursdays with Mick Jeffries, was one of them. A guy named uh, Mark Beatty, who is now a, you know the best known plastic surgeon in Atlanta. Um, you know, different people. A lot of people pitched in. Many, yep. many business leaders in in Lexington uh, were WRFL people. Yeah, no, it's 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 very soothing because they they play it. You know, in the student center, you can vividly yeah. hear it at times. But they, they'll play it. It's just so relaxing. Like I just like some of the sh- talk shows and some of the music they play. It's just so nice. And Bowen's friend's own Elena Tobo. She's I mean she she's one of the directors right. over there. Right, our so own student uh, Elena Tobo is one of the. Uh, News is the news director yeah. over there, yeah. and so she's able to do that. Um, and I mean, you know, the other thing we started it for was really we wanted to play the punk rock, right? Which is not relaxing, so, but so, it something was, that it disturbed was un- the parents. Yeah, it was <laughs> unrepresented. Yeah, so you know, we were playing things. You know, we wanted to play the Talking Heads, mm-hmm. right? Which are Kentucky people, you know, right. and um, so we did that. It's 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 funny to think too. It's like 
it's like I always see like these music videos from the '80s where it's like uh, it's like oh let's play some rock and roll you know all sorts of stuff. and then it's like the parents just like like what are you doing you know it's like it, it reminds me of like the uh, oh I think it's a uh, black and white but Michael Jackson the the intro to that music video mm-hmm. it's just Macaulay Culkin and uh, his parents you know they're they're at the dinner table praying mm-hmm. and all that and he goes to his room and he's just jamming out on the guitar that, that's kind of what it reminds me you know that's like the he seems like that type of person that would go to WFL use that music, right, <laughs> play that on the radio right, station. Right. So. Well, we also, too, um, we uh, had the first dedicated uh, metal show in Lexington, and that's still on the air, a guy named Matt Dacey, um, who's been a manager at Kroger for nearly 30 years, so he's, <laughs> like, a very solid guy, but yeah. uh, he knows everything about metal, and he's a great metal host. So he's he's on Mondays... I think at the strike of the midnight between Monday and Tuesday. One of my favorite things about WRFL is just how students can get involved. It's not easy for us to be able to go and get that kind of experience somewhere. And so, you know, you should be proud to be able to hear and see your own students get involved. I actually got to host Campus Voices in place of Samantha, Mm -hmm. who also works with Bowman's Friends. I did that like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, that was just really cool to be able to do and get that experience and... Well, and especially especially now with the um, the growth of the intense growth of podcasting, right? Where whole bunches of companies and whole bunches of newspapers and TV stations are all doing podcasts, and so this kind of audio relevance comes back to you. Yeah. But there's also things like d- you know design, um, promotions, people, um, what production, all all sorts of different things that the students can be directors of, uh, librarians, right? We have a great library science program here at UK in our information sciences school here in CI. Um, So we've had people who were our librarians, right? Like one of our first WRFL uh, people, one of my great friends, uh, Amy Boucher. She was one of our music librarians on the music staff. I was the first music director, the second music director, whatever. She's She's like a head librarian at Harvard now. Right. So, you know, I mean, so this is this is real life experience, you know, for people. So, you know, you have that experience with WRFL and radio, and then you also have a lot of news experience. And you were just telling um, Isaac and I about how you worked with uh, or for Fortune 500 media companies. Mm -hmm. Can you just like briefly tell a little bit about the Fortune 500 and then the positions that you held while you did that? Sure, right. So for the Fortune 500 is a, a grouping of 500 companies that are chosen by the business news organization, the business magazine Fortune, as the top ones in the United States. Whether And they, it used to be just on amount of revenue, um, but they, they slice it different ways these days. So what did we do? We just checked them, right? So Apple is up there at number three in the uh, Fortune 500. Walmart one, Walmart Amazon was two. at one. Amazon CVS was, was at four. Two. That's what right. I was CVS, the, the pharmacy, is, is four. Um, uh, and Alphabet, the company that owns Google, the holding company for Google, is nine. So, But in any case, so what that means is that I worked for newspaper corporations and other media corporations that were ranked in the Fortune 500 that were, you know, they weren't at the very top. They would be like 80 or 150 or something like that. But one of them is uh, the Scripps Howard Company, which is based in Cincinnati, and um, they have owned a lot of newspapers, and they also own some television stations, and they were very bright to branch out into television programming. They started the Food Channel, the Food Network, they started uh, HGTV, um, and they're also behind um, that sort of new kind of channel called Newsy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Gannett Corporation, which wor- owns USA Today and 120 other newspapers across the country and has used to have a, a television arm, which has now split off into the Tegna Group that owns WHAS 11 and uh, about 100 other r- TV stations. And then the other group was uh, Knight Ritter Corporation, which is uh, the company that used to own the Herald Leader, which is uh, where I worked. And then I also worked at the State College, um, Pennsylvania Center Daily Times. Um, and that is now McClatchy. So I had, I had experience with, you know, large newsrooms, uh, significant stories, big, big budgets, um, and all different types of, of coverage. And then also I, I worked in Palm Springs, California for Gannett um, at the Desert Sun newspaper there. So out of those 25 years, I mean, that's a long time to work with any company, but, mm-hmm. you know, with Fortune 500, 
Um, what's the biggest thing that you learned uh, working in this 25 years uh, that you've carried with you throughout your career? Well, I think it's that you have to listen to people, right? I mean, um, if you listen to people who work for you as your employees, you can learn about different skills or different stumbling blocks they have, different interests. And um, then if you remember them, uh, those things, you can say in a moment, you can say, oh, I'm going to send you out here. And then if you also listen to them, you can understand what's important to them and you can be helpful in scheduling their work and your approach to their work around the way they like to do things or the fact that they have children or don't or that they have um, an elderly mom that they take care of, all these different things. So, um, And then I think it's very important to listen to people because we run into people in all of our areas. Everybody's an expert on two or three different things that I have no idea about, mm-hmm. right? And so as a newspaper editor, you have to be sort of a generalist and a person who knows a whole lot of different things. So read everything, listen to everybody. I can learn all sorts of things from just listening to people um, and asking questions. I've always heard that. Ask a lot of questions, all the mm-hmm. questions, and get all your information. And I feel like they teach you teach us that a lot in the journalism department, going out and getting these interviews and writing these stories mm-hmm. and things like that. You can never have too much right, is what I've right. heard. Well, and also you don't have to take things, and this this works in all fields, but you don't have to take things at face value. You can go back and you can say, what does that mean? Or And there are tons of, there are tons of, incidences in uh, business where people have pressed on, you know, what is the norm and asked a question and found a way to go through and there's a huge success or a huge breakthrough, whether it's scientific or business or other. That's one of the big things, you know, with, with Julie and I being journalism majors, I mean, that's that's our that's our profession is listening. You know, you have to ask yeah. those questions. You have to listen. So that's, that's good to hear not only, uh, you know, in the journalism program or a journalism career, you know, it's it, – it stems, it's in to, management, it stems to everywhere. It's in management. Yeah. It's in. Um, it's also in, you know, keeping career ready, no matter what career you're in. Because if you're listening to, especially the younger people in your, in, in your, um, you know, whether it's your newsroom or your company, you know that that number twenty three, right? So, let's see. I think Bill Gates was twenty three when he incorporated Microsoft. I think. Um, Mark Zuckerberg was about 23 when he finally, you know, turned Facebook into a company and not just a thing he was doing in his dorm room. Um, and there are just there are just these people who are 23. Really, you know, they call it the Jordan year. They call it whatever. But these folks are coming in, and if we could listen to them more instead of, go away, kid, you know, give me 10 years, and then I'll come back and I'll promote you. You know, uh, incorporate this and learn what we need to what we need to learn. Um, from folks who are who are coming up and who are are young and entry level, then that keeps our companies vibrant. I believe. I mean, if somebody has a good idea, it's it's on the basis of the idea, not the type of background or whatever. But you know, oh, here's this idea. Let's. Why don't we just do Isaac's idea? He's not graduated yet, but it's a great idea. Right. And if we wait, someone else will come up with that idea. And, you know, push it now. Right, so right. You could have been doing this years ago. That's you right. You didn't listen to that person. Right. You know, going back, we were talking earlier how you uh, were, were worked in the movie movie industry. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you mm-hmm. big-time Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> you have worked with some of the best in the business. I know some of your work with Spike Lee mm-hmm. in the past. Spike um, Lee, right. Uh, going back to that, you know, what is the biggest project slash people you have worked with? Well, I would, yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for asking about that. I did. I was in journalism in California, in Southern California, in Palm Springs, which is of course a movie a movie area. So with the Oscars, there are the I think the most voters of the Academy are in Los Angeles. The second most number of voters in the Academy are in New York, and the third most voters in the Academy are in Palm Springs and the Coachella Valley, which is where it's located, right? And so uh, we had film festivals and all that stuff. So, and um, a, a fabulous chapter of women in film and television, Palm Springs Women in Child- Film and Television, that I was a member of. But in any case, I went and I did a um, fellowship in multimedia up at Berkeley. And uh, so I, then I got offered these jobs in Hollywood. Uh, and so I left 
the newspaper and was doing this work in Hollywood. And so you would you would just be I worked for the largest independent product placement company in Hollywood and the movies that I did were Terminator Salvation. So that was probably one of the biggest franchises I ever worked on. Um, and that had Christian Bale in it, and it had you know a bunch of other people. It had um, the brilliant young Russian uh, actor who died so young, Yeltsin. Yeah, Anton Yeltsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he was great there. Um, uh, let's see. I worked with Spike Lee on the movie Miracle at Santa Ana. I worked with his company. And um, let's see who else uh, worked on Seven Pounds with Will Smith and his Overbrook company. Um, Will Smith's a hot topic right now. I was going to say, funny you bring up Will Smith. No, I'm not bringing him up. (laughs) So um, on all of these films, I'm on a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't really talk about any any of the people. Um, Let's see, what else did I do? Um, Oh, I did a movie called, well, I did Bernie Mac's last movie, Soul Men. And I did, um, let's see, a movie that was, I think, called the there's two of them one was called the comebacks and one was called the long shots one of them had kiki palmer who was playing the um the pop warner female uh quarterback of a football team and had ice cube in it yeah yeah right right and i think it i think it was that was that was long shots yeah long shots okay so i did the long shots but then i also think i did uh the comebacks which was in any case so i worked on those and you would get you would get the scripts you would break down the scripts you would see what was there that would be able to be that they needed provided, right? So if you needed helicopters, you would call and you try to get some free helicopters. If you needed uh, Jeep, um, you know, Cherokees, five Jeep Cherokees to blow up because they all need to be the same, <laughs> you know, you, you talk to Jeep. Um, uh, everything from talking to um, who is, who is uh, Obey Clothing, you know, that group. It's a, yeah, right, Obey. So we would work with Obey. All that, all the clothing on um, Terminator Salvation was from Obey. And with, you know, with with, uh, Spike's film set in uh, Italy in World War II, there wasn't much that that we would get, maybe Hershey bars, right? Um, For the, um, uh, let's see, for Soul Men, you know, we got some Louis Vuitton bags for them to roll up into the um, stuff. And you work with the producers. You'd work with the people who were um, the directors and the um, also different area managers. So there's such a thing called set deck, which is set decoration and costume. Worked a lot with them. I worked with some some Oscar-winning set decks and uh, Oscar people, including one from Kentucky where and I was I was at Will Smith's company. We were in a we were in a meeting, and we were walking out. We were talking about the thing, and I I just looked at her and I said, "Now, what part of Kentucky are you from?" And she said, "Bowling Green." Like I, I recognize it. I recognize the accent immediately. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And so she, um, Leslie Ann Pope, she's passed away. She just passed away. I think twenty twenty, but she did the set decoration for Secretariat. So she's the one who turned. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. So she's the one who turned Keeneland into Secretariat. Real hometown vibe, yeah. right? Yeah. There. Right. Totally. Totally. But she's done huge, huge other movies too. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah, she did Donnie Brasco, which is an extremely good representation of the Bronx at the time. Uh-huh. You know, she's. I was like, you did Don- Donnie Brasco? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I just looked up the cast for Terminator Salvation. I didn't realize Bryce Dallas Howard was in there. Mm-hmm. That's like my. That's like my celebrity crush. <laughs> I, I, is that I true? Adore her. Is that I adore true? Her. That was like her first big role. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. See, I'm. I love the Jurassic Parks and the Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. She's in the Jurassic right, right. World, so I. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. That's okay. awesome. I'm glad, right. glad well, you got to I'm work with her. I'm glad. I'm glad that I can bring some associated. Yeah, we have. Uh, we now have a mutual friend. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a mutual right. friend so. with Bryce Dallas Howard. That's so. right. That's lovely. True. Lovely. That's, right. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So so anyway, so yeah, I, so I was up there. I and it's it's uh, doubly um, rewarding because I'm able to teach our journalism students about how this would reflect in a film, and I'm able to teach MAS students who might come through. Um, more about, um, you know, sort of film. And uh, it also relates to ISC because it is a product placement. Integrated strategic communication, which is a very popular major in our College of CI, right? So that includes advertising, um, uh, public relations, this kind of same sponsorship, right? Direct, Direct marketing and those sorts of things. So the people I would call to work with at these companies would be people who actually 
had degrees in that sort of thing, you know, from Northwestern or maybe from here, and they would be assigned to getting as many, like, like I did watches, right? So they, as many of this brand of watches in the movies as possible, right? Yeah. Or, um, you know, I did, I did get some helicopter helmets from Bell, right? A guy okay. up, oh, he was so excited, this man, and, you know, <laughs> all right. Um, and then we had to turn, okay, so Harley Davidson wanted to be our uh, signature um, motorcycle for Terminator Salvation, but the person who was doing the vehicles um, wanted a Ducati because he wanted to use the lines of a Ducati. So I had to say no to Harley Davidson and, you know, get a Ducati. Yeah. So well, going back to that product placement, like, I didn't realize how much you actually see it until you, like, pay attention because – I was watching Ted Lasso, okay. uh, and their big their their show is on Apple TV, Apple, okay. Apple Plus. Right, right. But uh, going with uh, with Ted Lasso, their SNL cast member Bowen Yang, I mm -hmm. follow him on Instagram, and he posted something on his story. He said he said I've never seen so many naked iPhones <laughs> in one movie, like just without a case and all that. I'm like, because you have to see that logo. Everyone right, seems to have the 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 nice, clean, pristine MacBooks in their office, and the iPads and the watches. It's it's so funny to see like how how when you actually look for the product placement, it's yeah. it, that's all you see. Okay, and so so w in in my early days as a UK student, right? So I was um, one of the things I did for money was I worked backstage at big concerts, right? So I would be a pr I would be a production assistant at big concerts or some sort of catering person or whatever. So one of the f when they first started sponsoring tours, like there was never no one would ever have a logo on their rock tour, right? Never. Like, and Neil Young, who's a famous, famous artist, was, like, back in those days, he was, like, he would write songs about that he wasn't for sale and all that stuff, yeah. which hats off to Neil Young, right? But David Bowie was coming to play in Lexington, and David Bowie's Spiders from Mars tour was, was one of the first ones that was truly sponsored, right? Sponsored by Pepsi. So, you know, I'm just a worker. You know, I'm just backstage, and I, I see the... The guys, all the production guys come in, and the guys from Pepsi come in. And the first thing the guy from Pepsi does is he gets this huge roll of brown paper. And he takes it, and he covers with brown paper and tape the entire Coke machine that the union guys use to get their drinks. So wow. that the, Right? So, yeah. so that Coke doesn't, Coke doesn't appear, you know, in, in the eyeballs of anyone <laughs> on the David Bowie tour. Right? Yeah, yeah. So... It just so does yeah. not exist. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so that's that's the severe severe product placement. Sure. It's all you, know, you always see like because I work at Walmart over the summer sometimes. So you see like the the Pepsi guys and the Coke guys come in. I always wonder if there's gonna be a brawl for all in the <laughs> in the back <laughs> just with that. But no, it's that's funny. That's awesome. So yeah. So, so yeah. So that's that's uh, some of the things that I did in mm -hmm. uh, in Hollywood. And you know the brilliant thing is I was hired by this man who had worked in all facets of Hollywood, and he had literally started his uh, career as a writer in New York on this very, very old-time comedy show called Your Show of Shows with Milton Berle, right? But Milton Berle started, but he was, I think he was on it with someone else. But, I mean, the stories that Jim Jaffe had, he was my boss, so j that, he, that he had were just amazing, um, just tell you the history of Hollywood, these different deals, these different films, all this stuff. And it was a great education. It's great to hear, like, all these different areas that you've worked in. You're what I would call, like, jack of all trades. Like, you've worked in news, music, movies, all kinds of stuff. So how did you come back here to UK and start teaching as a professor? What made you want to come here, too, of, of all the schools? Sure. Okay, so... One of the things that I did here at UK was um, I was awakened to a whole bunch of really brilliant thinking and, and writing uh, and critical thought over in the Department of English, um, especially to by um, uh, Janet Carey Eldred, who is still in English and also works with engineering, um, and a guy named Peter Mortensen. Um, and I taught English here. I taught a course called... Uh, English 101 and English 102, which was basically composition. Now, so your first English courses, I would teach both of those, right? And um, I, and I learned to really love this thing called rhetoric, right? And so I went on to, and I got my master's in the um, American um, literature stuff, really focused kind of on advertising and mass culture and minority and working class women. 
And then uh, I was going to go get a PhD. So um, I applied to a bunch of PhD programs, and I got into a whole bunch of them, which was great. Uh, and I went to Penn State because Penn State has the number one rhetoric program in the country, and I wanted to work in rhetoric. So, um, And so what I did was, in those days, I was a college teacher for four years. I taught, like, three sections, 25, sec 25 people per section. So every year I would teach 150, more than 150 people, right? I don't know. I've taught thousands of people the composition, right? So, and then at Penn State, I was a college professor too. So I taught, you know, I taught the writing courses and I taught uh, writing in the disciplines, which would include writing for science, uh, writing for business, writing for social sciences, and writing in the arts. Um, and um, then I did um, sort of really creative, different stuff with. Um, collaborative mini colleges, both here and at uh, here at UK and at Penn State. Um, and then when I was out in California, I was you know I was working at my job, right? And uh, um, I also taught there. So I taught magazine writing at Cal State, and I also taught introduction introduction to uh, communications careers at Cal State. So um, that was just another sort of expertise I had. So. Um, I knew I wanted to come back to Kentucky because that's where I was from, and um, I, you know, just started looking for uh, for gigs. It's very expensive to live in California, so if you're if you're making like less than a million, there's no really actual reason to live there, you know, unless you're unless you're a native Californian and you're you know you your family bought a house for thirty thousand right. dollars. Yeah. It's worth two million, five million now. <laughs> yeah. There's not you know. It's where all the it's where all the TikTok stars live now that's these right, days. That's yeah. right. So um, well, and our own L Smith. Yep. Yeah, living in Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah. At a Wait, place. Did, now, did she get that? Is she living there because she won Miss USA? That That is part of the deal. When you reign as Miss USA, mm -hmm. you get um, a beautiful apartment on Wilshire Boulevard. I think it's a place called The Curve with a K. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, she gets a Porsche, a white Porsche to drive for a year, right? Um all her clothing and stuff is is taken care of, and then all of her work related driving, you know, and she gets a, she gets an assistant, um, or a handler, both, yeah. right? Wow. To help her get to her stuff, and then all of her travel as Miss USA is covered. Yeah. So last weekend she came back here and was it in Somerset, to crown the next Miss Kentucky. Yeah. Because she first won Miss Kentucky down yeah. down here, right? Wow. So uh, yeah. I. That Porsche would just do it for me, yeah. let alone like <laughs> that. <laughs> she, she, um, she, uh, she got. To, I think she got to pick it, and it was it's a white one. Yeah, you know, and I'm not sure of the model, but it, it, she sure looks great in it. Well, I'm oh, gonna I'm start. Sure I'm gonna start is. my my campaign for Mister Kentucky, <laughs> right, Mister right. USA. Yeah. Right. You circled around here. You're back at UK, mm -hmm. and you've been back here since what 2008? You said 2008. Okay. I, I came back originally. I came back in 2007 to. Uh, celebrate i think it was the 20th anniversary of wrfl yep. they were having a, a big big uh celebration they put on something called freaky fest like with the ky freaky free okay. and ky yeah. get yeah, yeah, it yeah. freaky <laughs> fest yeah. uh which had a whole bunch of great different bands and playing playing out out downtown the city gave um the what the bus the top of the bus station Mm -hmm. That flat, the top of the bus station, we had a big concert there. Oh wow! And yeah. all the all the people came back uh, who had founded it, and it was a great um, thing to to look at Lexington and see what was going on. And I was like, well, maybe I could come back here. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was it was a great experience. Um, so then in two thousand eight, I made the decision to move back here. Applied for a couple of different jobs. Got one in Frankfurt, a really good job in Frankfurt. Um, but then uh, called. Uh, our own professor Scooby Ryan to see if she had an extra section of um, you know journalism that I could pick up because obviously I like to teach right, mm -hmm. and she said actually we have a whole job so why don't you apply for it so um, so right I applied place for right it. time right yeah. place right time like you can't even can't even uh, make it any better right. but you know right. I was living up in uh, Yucca Valley California which is near Joshua Tree looking out at these big mountains I was like I really need to go home. No. Yeah. So. Well, we're glad you're here. Glad yes. you've been back. So. Oh, that's great. Uh, but it, you remind me of that song by John, I've been everywhere, man. Cross <laughs> the desert. <laughs> it reminds right, me of that. Right. So you know, as a, you know, busy woman, go ahead and walk us through the daily life of Kaki Arch. What do you do on the your daily routine? I'm sure every day is different. 
but okay. let's okay. let's so, go through the daily routine. So I teach I teach here on the campus almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a very uh, what I guess internet connected person and social media connected person, um, and my entire family is a six year old. No, she's got to be eight. She's ten. I don't know. Ten <laughs> year old Jack Russell Terrier. Right, so this is so is she, her name is Banjo, and then her, she's a girl, so the middle name is Anne, and then her last name is Mandolin. So get it, Banjo Ann Mandolin. Oh, ah, that's yeah. a bluegrass that, joke. Yeah, that, that, that is that, it. That's yes. kind of cool. That's yes. kind of cool, right? Yeah. So, um, in any case, but we call her Banjo. We call her whatever else. So she's there at my house, and um, you know, uh, I've um, I usually get on now. I run the uh, run the Twitter for the School of Journalism and Media, so. Um, and also the Instagram, which my students do a lot of right now. Today we have, who do we have? We uh, have Kara Falberg. Kara yep. Falberg yep. is doing a Shout great job on the, it's at UK Jam School. And uh, the f- people who take it over really show what uh, what we do here in journalism and media. Um, so uh, I'll wake up, I'll check my email, I'll see what I have to do for the department. Um, I've already prepped the night before, figure out what we're doing for our classes. Um, and, uh, you know, just get on down and, uh, park behind, um, our beloved, uh, craft center, mm-hmm. come in here to, uh, Blazer Dining and, and teach. So, uh, sometimes I'm lucky enough to get down to this multimedia lab that we've built, you know, and, and, uh, record here. I do teach podcasting, right? And I teach what? I teach journalism 498, which is our capstone course, mm-hmm. multimedia storytelling, um, uh, summer, I'm teaching fashion journalism, and fall, I'm teaching fashion journalism too. So, those are great. Um, after I teach a couple classes, of course, everyone will have all these different questions. Can you help me with this? What is that? Um, I'm your advisee. Can I come meet with you? Can you give me a job recommendation? Um, Speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the answer is yes. Okay, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that gotcha, would be great. Gotcha, so, yeah. uh, all of that, and. Um, you know, we have we have things that we do as faculty, uh, and we have to stay up with. Um, I, I peruse a lot of our um, kind of professional materials, you know, teaching materials or research that people have going on, um, and uh, different things that people are trying throughout um, the country in different media, so that I can learn them and teach them to the students that we are putting forward. Right? I mean. There was no Twitter, right? I mean, I, I brought Twitter here. I was like, hey, I'm going to talk. I'm going to do my job. Talk about this thing called Twitter. Have you heard of it? And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, what have we? What do we have? We have drones. You guys learned. I, I don't teach that, but there's there are all these different things, these different changes in the way we do storytelling, uh, in the way we do, way we have tools that gather information, right? So this year's you know, thing we need to catch up with, right, is how to embed ring video in the news report yeah. because more and more people are using ring video. Believe it, going back to, to Kara, we were just talking about that earlier. Uh, she actually had a, had a story for the student news, and I think she used a little bit of the ring video in her package, right. you know, because she was talking about uh, porch thieves. So, right. I mean, she, it's right. slowly cultivating its way into, right. into the news. And, and by the student news, you mean the UK, UK student, student yeah. news yeah. network, which is UK SNN. Yes. Yeah. Which you guys as broadcast uh, media, multimedia majors, you produce actually daily daily newscasts for UK SNN. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. And you got to go down to Tampa to cover for UK I SNN. Did. I did. SEC yes. I tournament. Miss, I miss that weather really badly right now. Okay. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no. you know, it's it's a it's a great opportunity um and our people who are majoring in uh media arts and studies and um journalism uh produce this newscast, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. And so that's just great. I also saw where you have taught courses overseas and have even been involved in projects in Africa. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you're still doing right now? Um, and then, you know, how did you get started with that? What do your uh, responsibilities uh, involve? Okay, yeah. So that's that's an exciting uh, part of my history here at UK and a, a part of our College of CI and our School of Journalism and Media's uh, endeavors. I have taught um, in education abroad, which we have a fantastic education abroad. You had Miko on on here. Yeah, she was one of the guests last week. Yeah, Miko was in charge of, yeah, education abroad. She knows me. She's helped me out from Ireland before, right? (laughs) So um, so I've taught um, 
World Media Systems in Ireland. We, so we would go to Ireland and Dublin for a month, and we would uh, talk about uh, the, the culture and the history of Ireland, um, things like the sporting of Ireland, um, and how that relates to the way things are covered, um, looking at their vibrant newspapers and their um, uh, RTE, which is RTE, um, which is their television. Um, and then they are in a position where they're just really now starting to get all that sports sponsorship diversification. Also, Ireland, because it was a primarily a, a monoculture that was primarily Roman Catholic, they had a censorship uh, system in, s in place well, well after we would have, we, we don't really have a censorship system on our, on our stuff. So like for, do you, you guys are too young. Do you remember Starsky and Hutch? Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so whoever the blonde actor in Starsky and Hutch was, right. He was like a, a bachelor and he would, you know, have a different date every day. And then he'd get out of bed in the morning with this different date and they would never show that. Like yeah. they would cut that in Ireland, oh. because, you know, and all sorts of different things that they would um, do. But we go all around the country. Uh, students have time uh, to go and see their own stuff. We focus on the Gaelic uh, Athletic Association, and they just love to to see the sport and that. And we also, um, there's a place called the Curra, which has a relationship with Keeneland, and it's like the Keeneland of Ireland. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've had students go and do things there. Um, also in London, we did... Uh, ISC courses. I've taught ISC courses with Dr. Alisa, Alisa Ekman um, there. And those are just standard uh, study abroad, court, you know, education abroad yeah. courses. So um, I'm very open to doing it more. Um, and our, of course, our education abroad is very interested in, in sponsoring it. But I want to make sure that we don't have any more pandemic concerns. I don't, I don't want people to sign up for a course with me and then I have to disappoint them. Right. So I want to make sure that you know, travel back and forth is happening. Now, the work in Africa, you know, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I'm so grateful to uh, Dr. Beth Barnes and um, Chike, who is the uh, head of our ISC department, who's a world-renowned uh, researcher. They had a grant um, with some health care uh, places in uh, AIHA, which was working with sort of... Um, money for PEPFAR, which was the, um, the AIDS uh, group that was set up um, to assist different research and help on that with PEPFAR and also with some Bill Gates money. So the notion was um, some African countries had really high HIV positivity rates, really high uh, AIDS death numbers. And <coughs> what uh, was found was that if the story and the information about HIV and the fact that it is a virus, that there is, they actually have retroviral drugs that you can get on and you need to stay on them, right? Um, and uh, methods to, to let everybody know this and also reduce the stigma on having AIDS or HIV, right? Um, then what would happen would be more people would take advantage of this information, they would get tested, they would get anti-retrovirals, uh, and they would be able to deal better with the, the very high percentage of positivity. I, you know, some of the countries we were working in were like a third, one every third person would be HIV positive, maybe not know it, right? But yeah. it would be that that was. So we worked in um, we worked in Zambia, we worked in Lusaka, Zambia, and in some of the other places around there, and um, we trained. Uh, television reporters, we trained radio reporters, uh, we trained uh, newspaper reporters on, you know, telling telling these stories. And um, you know, there are some there are some parts of these countries where folks would still think like that the way to deal with it would be, you know, um, kind of using crocodile blood and stuff like that. Just these these home remedies, but. Um, so Beth Barnes was the kind of the lead researcher and lead uh, li liaison on that, and Dr. Elisa Ekman from uh, ISC and I traveled a lot together. We went to went to Botswana and we went to and we would always go through South Africa. So we were in South Africa. We went to Botswana, did a lot of work in Botswana. We did a whole lot of work in Zambia, um, and so that was that was just wonderful. It was great yeah. to. Um, you know, it was great to, to go to Africa, to meet a whole bunch of different African people and see and listen to their lives and 
you know, share some of our expertise. Yeah, that's really cool that you actually have these connections all over the world, you know, right, even right. in Africa. Right, you so. probably know someone there. Well, so. uh, yeah, I mean, so uh, a great example of that is that uh, one of the guys that we worked with there, it was part of one of the um, training agencies that we worked with, this guy named Sharpie Maluba. Um, in any case, uh, Dr. Barnes told him, you know, well, you know, maybe you should come to Kentucky and see if you can't get a scholarship and go to college or something. So he applied to Berea got a full scholarship and came over here and he's he got his degree from uh, Berea and he's now in grad school at uh, George Washington University in uh, DC. So awesome. yeah, so yeah, I know people in Zambia of course. <laughs> 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 at least every every continent everybody knows Oh, I know Kat here. Yeah. I know Kat <laughs> Every continent somehow. So that's obviously an amazing, you know, moment in your in your career here as a faculty member. Um you know, besides that, what do you think has been the most rewarding moment in your career here uh, as a part of the GM school? Well, the most rewarding, the most rewarding part of my career is, for example, last Friday. So on Friday, this is what happens to me. I spend the whole day getting calls to give recommendations to, to people for jobs. And I'm able to give, you know, good recommendations. Obviously, I don't say yes to people that I can't wholeheartedly endorse. But where I get a whole bunch of emails, like Friday was just filled with people trying to get me to tell them about somebody to hire or other people emailing me to tell me that they just got a new job, mm-hmm. you know, and um, or, you know, some of the best part is when, you know, when people who have taken my class, you know, come back and they say, just like you taught me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did teach you that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some some little tip. I mean, I guess the one that I teach the most that saves people's butts is ABC, right? I was going to say that. Always be charging. Yeah, Yeah, right. So, I mean, if you're a journalist and you run out of charge, you know, and and you're – in the field, right? Does do you think Anderson Cooper runs out of charge? No, no way. No. <laughs> no way. No. Um, so so yeah, so that I think I think that is um uh probably the best thing. I mean, that's what universities are about is is working with students and, you know, faculty people making discoveries and bringing their expertise in and sharing it with students. Um so I think that's the best. But you know, one other thing that was great was we were able I was able to go to Siberia. Wow. Which is this very remote part of Russia, right? Yeah. So I when I was growing up, um the you know, the Cold War, you Americans could not go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, what do you mean I can't go to Russia? I'm an American. And they were like, That's exactly why you can't <laughs> go to Russia. <laughs> you know, but um the the countries, you know, East Germany and, and and you know the Soviet Union and all of these places uh were all cordoned off, right? And there was a hugely um popular book called the Gulag Archipelago, which meant, you know, the, you know, set of islands that are prisons, right, by uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And for the notion for me, uh, as a person who grew up in the Cold War, like outside New York City, where they said, there's no reason to duck or cover because we're so close, you're going to be dead on impact, Mm -hmm. to actually go to Siberia and have these people like you know, welcome me and learn multimedia from me and then start an online, the first online physical fitness web show, like a challenge, like a, wow. like a fitness challenge web show is what the folks um, that we, that we worked with there, you know. Yeah. So, and for me to say to people in Moscow, I'll say, you know, I worked on this real, I worked at this really small paper in California, you know, it was like 60,000. And then, you know, in the summer it would go up to 100,000. And their eyes would just go so big because, the like the biggest quote paper paper in Moscow is like ten thousand, um, and like I literally got to walk into the offices, the former shutdown offices of um, this thing um, that was called Pravda, which is um, it means quote truth, and it's the name of the newspaper that the Soviet government produced to tell people, you know, the opposite of what was true. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, and they have a saying in Russia, there's no truth in Pravda. You know, there's no truth in truth. Right. But yeah. um, so uh, that was that was just stunning. You know, um, I don't know. It's pretty relevant <laughs> today, too. Like, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> with right. everything going on, you know, overseas, you know, it's I mean, 
there is no truth in Pravda still, it seems. Well, right, and Pravda's dead. I mean, they, 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 they did away with it, but then there's this other one that was also part of the whole Russian communication system called TASS, T-A-S-S, mm-hmm. right, uh, which is their, quote, wire service, yep. right? the, AP, right, the yeah. AP of Russia, right? Someone give Edward right. Snowden a call. That's right, that, that's, <laughs> that's right. I'm on an NDA with Edward Snowden, too. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> that's w- a wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Yeah. Big wink. Yeah, yes, Audio yes. wink. Everyone is everyone is winking right now. Right. <laughs> I want to ask one one more question because I think it's the the greatest you know greatest little tidbit of information. Why why is your name? Why do you why do you go by Khaki? I know okay. that's that's kind of an that's uncommon a name. Good question. But like I and I remember the reason, but I want our viewers to know. Well, well, that's that's a great question. And here's the thing: is if you see my name written out, everybody wants to pronounce it, and it's it's phonetically correct to pronounce it Khaki Irk, right? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Right, but it's khaki like the plant, the pants, urch like church, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, now the urch name is, you know, kind of like all of my sisters were like, yes, I can order a pizza when I got married. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the khaki part was my name, my given name is Kathleen, and like every two-year-old person who is trying to learn their own name, the th sound is very difficult for two-year-old mm-hmm. persons. Yeah. So I said khakiin, and then it got shortened. Yeah. So, um, and it seemed it seemed to suit me, right? Um, I'm not sure that I'm a, a Kathy type, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I kept it, and I I used it as my byline in my first Colonel article, right? Mm-hmm. And um, ever every article, including academic articles, like serious academic articles, since then. So, um, no, but I, I you know I do say also the other the other great thing is just to see the. The immense quality, not the immense quality, but the great quality of the student media here. To watch you guys do that UKSNN from Tampa, that just touched me so much. And then to see the quality of our KRNL lifestyle and uh, fashion magazine that has, yeah. you know, um, the students and Maymay Barton and all the folks there have brought it up to such a professional level. And now people who are editors there are getting placed in New York and New York magazines and then the colonel winning the top, you know, the top newspaper in the state, and then also posting very great scores on the Hearst um, stuff. So, you know, that's that's the best part of my job. A lot of the stuff, you know, even Bowman's friends couldn't have happened without Khaki. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you guys yeah. realize how how important she is to the school and how important she is to us. So that's that's what I was gonna say. Great person to have on for one of our first faculty spotlight episodes because it's definitely deserving. If you've had khaki, you can come away with some piece of advice that you will carry with you. So, Well, you all are very kind to say that. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a joy and a pleasure. And remember, I got this degree, right? So I know what it's like. And I was an intern, and I know what it's like. And I try to remember those things as we... As we go through. So it's just, I'm just so happy to be on my favorite podcast. Yes, oh. yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, Kaki, thank you again for, for yes, being on. It means a lot. One of our biggest fans, one of our biggest, you know, mentors in general. So yes. Wow, you're yep. so sweet. Yep. Thanks for listening to Bowman's Friends. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Bowman's Friends to stay up to date on our upcoming episodes. New episodes go live every Tuesday and Friday wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to DM us with topics you want us to cover or guests you want to hear from.